It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. There is a battle going on between the old view of truth, absolute truth, also called objective truth, and the new view of truth, relativistic truth, also subjectivist truth. The issue is the distinction between these two views. According to relativism, a claim is true relative to the beliefs of an individual or group that accepts the claim. In this view, a claim is made true for those who accept it by the very act of acceptance. This seems to imply that believing something makes it true. But that is foolishness. It doesn't follow that what is believed is true just because somebody believes it. If it did, then I could make any claim true simply by believing it. For example, I could say, I have a billion dollars in the bank. But that could be refuted by my bank statement. My believing it doesn't make it true. Just like my saying that I deny something doesn't make it false. There is no connection between what people believe without evidence and the truth. By contrast, those who claim that truth does not vary from person to person or group to group accept absolute truth. On this view, people discover truth. They do not create it. And a claim is made true or false in some way or another by reality itself, totally d- independent of whether the claim is accepted by anyone. For more detailed discussion about the correctness of the absolute view and the confusion of relativism, see chapter 6 on theories of truth and postmodernism in the book Philosophical Foundations for Christian Worldview by J.P. Moreland and William Lane Craig. In the episode 45, I demonstrated the bankruptcy of relativism by giving nine dire consequences of it. I combined two results of relativism that I had observed in episode 44, namely, relativism is self-defeating and leads to nihilism where nothing is of any value at all. I then made these two results the first in my list of nine dire consequences in episode 45. This first consequence alone should force everybody to abandon relativism immediately. 
But the relativist has too much invested in it, too much face identified with it, too much power to lose from it to give in easily. He will fight absolute truth with all he has at his disposal. Because the battle is so severe, I emphasized eight other additional dire consequences. In the Handbook of Christian Apologetics, the authors, Peter Kreeft and Ronald Tuchelli, said, Of all the symptoms of our decadent civilization, subjectivism is the most disastrous of all. A mistake can possibly be discovered and amended if and only if truth exists and can be known and is loved and searched for. If you close your eyes to the light in the operating room, there is no chance at all that the operation will work and that the patient will be saved. If you close your eyes and ears when you cross a busy street, the results are not very likely to be beneficial to your health. When we consider carefully the tenets of relativism and reflect on the dire consequences of that position, we ask, how can anyone actually believe this? Who could live this way and at the same time maintain their sanity? The answer is, no one can live this way. People can talk about relativism as a theory but they can't live this way in practice. It is reminiscent of pantheism and Christian science talking about pain as an illusion in theory. But they look both ways when crossing the street because they don't want to experience the illusion in practice. Unlike the multiple choices of a restaurant menu, Ideas and ideologies have consequences, for they form attitudes, and attitudes form habits, and habits form behaviors. In the real world, what we believe does matter. Richard Malcolm Weaver, Jr., an American scholar, University of Chicago English teacher, historian, conservative political philosopher and an authority on modern rhetoric said, the issue ultimately involved is whether there is a source of truth higher than and independent of man. And the answer to the question is decisive for one's view of the nature and destiny of man. Atheist Jean-Paul Sartre commented that no finite point has any meaning without an infinite reference point. Only if there is an infinite eternal fixed point by which we can judge life can we talk about the meaning of life. Without this reference point, we can only judge things from our individual, group, or cultural perspective. If Sartre's comment is correct, and if we accept that there is no infinite reference point by renouncing the existence of God, then life is truly meaningless. 
Sartre was willing to subscribe to this option, declared life was meaningless, and summed this up in the title of his book called Nausea. Philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein made a similar observation to Sartre and underscored the importance of having a revelation from this infinite reference point by saying, the sense of this world must lie outside the world. Wittgenstein did not give serious consideration to the reality of such a revelation. He did, however, seem to realize the massive consequences if such a revelation was, in fact, a reality. The consequences of such a revelation are exactly what relativists seem determined to avoid. Jacques Derrida, one of the principal founders of postmodernism, denies the existence of that which would provide a ground for absolute truth. This he called a transcendental signified. Because Derrida denies this absolute reference point, he denies ultimate meaning and purpose in life. The British mathematician and agnostic philosopher Bertrand Russell held that only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. C.S. Lewis described the situation as follows. We are now getting to the point at which different beliefs about the universe lead to different behaviors. Religion involves a series of statements about facts, which must be either true or false. If they are true, one set of conclusions will follow about the right sailing of the human fleet. If they are false, quite a different set. Relativists have leveled several counterattacks to the view of truth as absolute. Here are some of the more important. First, the relativist may argue that it is impossible to absolutely understand truth. But in declaring that, the relativist has built his objection on a linguistic confusion of concepts. The relativist assumes belief in absolute truth requires one to have an absolute understanding of truth. These are different issues. Any of us can be absolutely sure of some things. For example, I am absolutely sure that I exist. This follows from our arguments by René Descartes or St. Augustine. In fact, my existence is undeniable, for I would have to exist in order to make the statement, I do not exist. I'm absolutely sure it is a contradiction that I exist and do not exist at the same time. And I am sure there are no square circles. And I am sure that 4 plus 4 equals 8. But there are many other things of which we may not be absolutely certain. But here the relativist is misguided in rejecting absolute truth simply because we lack 
evidence that some things are true. The truth can be absolute no matter what our grounds are for believing it. Absolute truth is absolutely true in itself, no matter what my evidence or lack of evidence may be. Evidence, or the lack of it, does not change a fact, and truth is what corresponds to the facts. The truth doesn't change because we learn something new about it. Second, the relativist may object that the notion of absolute truth is narrow, bigoted, arrogant, or close-minded. But the relativist is claiming that relative truth is better than absolute truth. That judgment is just as narrow-minded, and thus the relativist is a victim of the same criticism. Third, of course, truth is narrow. There is only one answer for what is 4 plus 4. It is 8, and only 8. To claim it is something other than 8 will question one's education. The answer 8 is narrow, admittedly, but it is correct nonetheless. So deal with it. Indeed, truth by its very nature excludes all things contrary to the truth. Non-Christians often claim that Christians are narrow-minded because they claim the Christian worldview is true and all other non-Christian systems are false. However, the same is true if non-Christians who claim what they view as truth is true and all opposing views are false. Each truth claim excludes contradictory truth claims. Christianity is no more narrow than any other system of beliefs, whether atheism, agnosticism, polytheism, skepticism, pantheism, panentheism, deism, Judaism, or Islam. Fourth, the claim that those who believe in absolute truth are dogmatic misses the point. If all truth is absolute, true for all people, for all times, in all places, everyone who claims anything is true is dogmatic. Even the relativists who claim relativism is true is dogmatic. Something important is overlooked in this charge of dogmatism. There is a big difference between the charge of dogmatism and the manner in which someone may convey this belief. No doubt, the manner with which many have held to and conveyed their beliefs has been less than conciliatory. However, no one who holds to the belief that truth is absolute would consider it a telling argument against truth that some absolutists communicate their beliefs in a dogmatic manner. Suppose an oncologist discovers a cure for cancer, and he is quite haughty about his discovery. Will a cancer patient refuse the cure just because his manner is haughty? I doubt it. Nevertheless, there is an important distinction to keep in mind. Truth is absolute, but our grasp of it is not. 
just because truth is absolute does not mean that our understanding of it is absolute. All finite creatures should realize that we grow in our understanding of truth. Fifth, the relativists may object that truth is not absolute because we grow in truth. They may claim that what we know today may be false tomorrow. The progress of science is proof that what we know is constantly changing. This objection fails to note that it is not truth that is changing, but our understanding of it. When Copernicus argued that the earth moves around the sun and not the reverse, truth did not change. What changed was the scientific understanding about what moves around what. When Magellan circumnavigated the earth, the truth did not change. The fact that the earth was round was true all along. Magellan merely demonstrated it. When Isaac Newton discovered gravity, the truth did not change. Newton merely articulated that the truth of gravity was there all along. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.